the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everybody. Hope y'all had a good week. I know we did. We had a busy week. Busy week. Especially me. Yeah. Exams. (laughs) Thank y'all for listening today. You're listening to Woods and Water, South Carolina. I'm Taylor, and I'm here with my dad. Roger. And I'm taking over as the host today, I think. No, I just wanted to see if you could introduce the show without no, crashing and burning. I'm, <laughs> listen, I'm a lot more hyper this week. Yes, you are. Because, you know, we have Thanksgiving, got to see family, and I only have one more week left of school. So, we're we're doing good. How about you, Dad? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. Do you realize I, I got to figure it out for certain? But like this week, last week, this week, or next week is like our 400th Episode? Woods and Water show. <gasps> wow! That just hit me. Four hundred of them. March the. It was the week twenty first of twenty fourteen. Oh, oh, that's right. It was week after my birthday. Yeah, hmm. four hundred episodes. I was the reason I, I I keep track of. I'm kind of a I'm I'm an Excel person. <laughs> yeah, you are. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it it is. must be an accounting thing. It is. It is. I, I like to do things on Excel. I hate Word, but I love Excel. Um, but I we keep we go through and keep track of who's on the show when and. And all and it, I was doing some work on the website, getting some stuff posted on the website, some of the podcasts or prior shows or whatever, and updating that list. It's, there's uh, there's been like 500 guest segments on the show, 270 different guests, hmm. and like 400. This is like our 400th show. That's weird. Well, mine, not yours. Mine is probably what would that be for me? It's in the hundreds. It's in the hundreds. It is because you've been doing this at least two years full time. Yeah. But I was talking to Dave Nichols. You remember Dave? I do. Dave remember was our Dave. original, our original uh, engineer. engineer on this show. He was amazing. He always used to bring donuts. Yeah, we had a good time with Dave. And anyway, he said, "I can remember the first time Taylor bebop down the hall, and she was ten years old and <laughs> just mouth just chattering wide open and all." And I was like, "This girl has got the goods." <laughs> Oh, I still see him, though. He's a professor at North Greenville. Yeah, he said he sees you every once in a while. Yeah, I walked past his room this week. Okay. And I looked for him. He was in there. I don't know where he was. Yeah, it's a professor for Apparently you. Apparently, he has a fun class. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I spoke to his class one year. Really? Yeah. I did. Marketing class. Yeah. But anyway, yes, thank you for listening. Hope you've had a, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was just last week. It's hard to believe it's... Come and gone, Christmas decorations are up. and Yep. Still doesn't quite feel like Christmas yet, but I feel like next week it might get to that. This week was too warm. 
Yeah. It was really warm. Uh-huh. It was really awkward because it like, you know, in the morning when he left the house, it was like 40 and then it got up to like 70 something. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many people ditched the tree stand and went fishing this past Honestly. Like Thursday or Friday. Honestly. Now, next week's supposed to be in the 50s. You best believe we will be in the deer stand next week. Exams will be over for you next week. Well, most of them. Most of them. I still have one the next week, but then why yeah, not? Yeah, that's, yeah. But the majority of them will be out of the way by Wednesday, so we're going to. Yep. We're going to. You know, I'm almost done with my first semester of senior year. I only have one more semester left in high school. Yeah, I know you want it to pass by, but <laughs> these days you're going to look back at <laughs> what I wouldn't do to be a <laughs> I senior I only got like a, again. Well, no, I'd probably go back to my sophomore year. Uh, sophomore year was good. Was it good? Yes, it was. Okay. Well, anyway, enough about us. Mm-hmm. Hope y'all are doing well. But yeah, have a good Thanksgiving. It's uh, it's passing fast, and we got to sit down and do some scheduling for next year. But we're gonna we're gonna talk to um, oh, I should have had this prepared. Thank. And I don't, I don't. Bank. We're gonna talk about Siwi. Yeah, one of our favorite. We got the to executive go to. director of Siwi is gonna be with us. Um. He's looking for something. To well, and I looked at another. I looked at a damn another email and like, do what? <laughs> um. <laughs> and why is it all the way down at the bottom? There's like eight. Eight what? Well, it's been an email chain back and forth. Oh. And there's my first one. Megan Trotter. Trotter is the girl that I'm working with down there. At Seawee, and she set this up, and I've got him next segment, and I ought to have this. Oh, well. (sighs) This is pretty bad. (laughs) This is pretty bad. Anyway, the executive director of Seawee is going to be in. And this is the email it should be in right here. I mean, this is just stupid. Minor detail. Oh, well. John Powell. That's right there in front of me. John Powell. Executive Director of Seaweed is going to be with us. And uh, talking about Seaweed coming in February, kind of going to give you a preview. Mm-hmm. Try to be fun. And then we've got uh, we got a little calendar event, so let's get with it. Uh, brought to you by Visit Anderson. and Green Palm Landing and Event Center. Uh, in no certain order. In fact, I'm going to get the first one out of the way. Yeah. Uh, Toys for Tots. Yep. Always big at this time of the year. Yep. Uh, one of the... Um, one of the... Drop-off locations is uh, Falcon Boats Falcon Bass Boats in Newbury, South Carolina. They uh, have some boxes up there, and they'll they would love for you to stop by and drop off a new unused toy or two, and uh, support Tours for Tots, which is you know Tim Dupree's son is a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and so that's how they're connected to the Marine Corps. Hmm. And Toys for Tots is put on by the U.S. Marine Corps. So if you want to get involved, there you go. Swing by on the main dragon, Newbury, South Carolina, stop in and say hello to Lisa and Tim and all the people down at Falcon Bass Boats and leave a toy for some kid who might not get one this Christmas. Hunters for the Hungry is putting on their annual giveaway, and it's going to include some really nice guns. They're going to be doing the drawing live on Facebook on December 14th at 6 o'clock. It's $25 per ticket, so go to their website to enter. National Wild Turkey Federation chapter, the Neil Gobbler Cost chapter in Greenwood, South Carolina, is having their hunting heritage banquet on December the 9th at Piedmont Technical College. 
Um, doors open at 6 o'clock. And he's always save the habitat, save the hunt. For tickets, contact Mike Waters, 864-993-2291, or go to nwtf.org. Uh, go to events near you, South Carolina, find the Greenwood chapter, and hit it. It'll give you all the information and probably buy tickets right online. Striped Bass Challenge is coming to Lake Hartwell for their Winter Classic January 7th through the 8th. They are going to be sharing the information on January 7th, their captain's meeting. Um, you can go to their Facebook page to get in the email loop, and you can get more information there. And, you know, this this, this used to be run by Mike Dillon mm-hmm. at Richard Children's Racing. We've had Mike on several times talking about this. This is a new They've they brought back the challenge. They've actually got a trail this year, and they're going to be on with us. I think on next week's show. I think is what we've got, kind of, kind of in the works for next week. Okay. Um, but the cool thing about that is, is they at the captain's meeting, the boats come in filled with food, hmm. and it benefits the local food bank. It used to be Golden Harvest. I'm not sure who the beneficiary is this year. We'll know next week. Uh, but, yeah, all the teams and captains and all fill boats up with food. And as they come through registration and all, they weigh it up and all. It's amazing how much food they collect at these things. That's a really cool thing with the Striped Bass Challenge. You're next. Oh, I'm next. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Southern Bird Hunters Association is having an amateur walking shooting dog championship uh, down in Pamlico, South Carolina, hosted by the Gamecock Field Trial Club. And uh, they got amateur derby and amateur puppy. And it's going to be at Rodney Poston's Farm, which is in Pamlico, South Carolina. Um, if you go to Southern Bird Hunter Association, you can find out more information. This is a good one to be. This is your starting off. Um, the Foothills NDA Banquet is coming up on February 10th, which is a Thursday. So save the date on that and go to their website to register. More details coming. We had a board meeting this week, and there's more stuff coming. I'm trying to figure out food. <laughs> now hang on. We'll be back with more Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. You know what I didn't do, Taylor? What didn't you do? I don't think I did. I need to look and see. Huh? Don't think you did what? I don't think I did. Oh, I didn't. Oh, oh got boy. It. Did you have special music picked out? No, but I, I we we should have done the Darius. and. Oh, we haven't done that in a while. We t- we're taking it easy. We have a first-time guest. That's yeah, usually yeah. what we do with first-time guests, but we'll give them a pass. Because you know what time it is. What time is it? It's time to talk about our favorite event. A lot of people... New Year starts on January 1st. Ours starts on February at Seaweed. Valentine's Day weekend, folks. If if you have never been to the Southeastern Wildlife Exposition in Charleston, South Carolina, you have missed out on, John, 40 years now? 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. Wow. And we hate we didn't have it last year. Oh, it was, it was oh, disheartening was last year. <laughs> it was a morbid weekend around our house. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it is a little lost, but we are we are uh, yeah we're 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 a couple months out from Seawe. It's time to make your plans to get there, and, and doing that, we like to have somebody on from Seawe. We got John Powell, who is uh, you're the executive executive chairman. John, did I get that right? Executive Wrong? director. Executive director. There we go. Uh, a first time guest, so welcome to Woods and Water, South Carolina. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to be here with us. Um, 
and seaweed, man, we're excited about it. We're excited to talk about it. People, if you if you need to break out pens and pencils and notepads to take notes on some of the things you might want to might want to do when you get there, now's the time to do it. But John, if you would take a minute or two, uh, tell us about yourself, your duties there with the Southeastern Wildlife Exposition, and then we're going to get into this thing and roll with it. Uh, well, you got it. My name is John Powell. I'm the executive director of Southeastern Wildlife Exposition. Um, I've been around for a while now. The 2022 will be my 17th show. Wow. Uh, I am originally from Greenville, North Carolina. Huh? Uh, grew up rural, uh, rural North Carolina. I've always enjoyed the, the outdoors. Um, and I won't give you the full history of how I wound up in Charleston, but when I did, I, I found a spot at Seaweed and have never left. And, um, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's an interesting thing to do to work all year um, for a three plus plus day event um, that that hopefully you, you can have every year. Right. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It, it, anything that involves the outdoors, um, you know, land based pursuits, water based, and you know what I've come to really love, which is the center of our event, wildlife art. Yes. Um, it's just it's really exciting. Uh, do you take a day or two off after seaweed, or do you immediately start working on next year? So we do, but it's not right away. Okay. Um, as you, if you if you think about it, we got a lot of packing up to do. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, hopefully we've had good sales with artists. Um, there's some vendors that need to be paid. Um, a lot of people have questions every now and then. A driver's license or a set of keys might have gone missing. Um, <laughs> and you know, we have a lot of wrap up. We want to let people know what we're doing. But sometimes the planning for our event really starts 18 months out um, when you wow. talk about who our feature, featured artist might be okay. or, you know, the, the, a featured entertainer like a Jeff Corbin or a Jack Hanna. Uh, you got to book those things pretty far out. So, and, you know, something like a like Doc Dogs, when we bring those guys in, we have a multi-year agreement um, to make sure that they're, they're here. So a lot of this starts much earlier than people think. Um, wow. I wouldn't have thought 18 months, but you're right. Yeah. Those, those yeah. the big names book up years in advance. That's true. Wow. Um, and people want to, and people want to make their plans. And we also fall in an event cycle in Charleston, um, with, um, you know, the bridge run and wine and food and Spoleto and these others. And so, you know, people want to know what our dates are. Um, yeah. Hotels want to know what our dates are. They don't necessarily want to book a big conference during the same weekend. Sure. Um, and we're always, and we're always present say weekend. So while we fall into that Valentine's, Week. That's how people can remember. Um, we're the weekend that precedes President's Day Monday every year. Every year. This year being February 17th through the 20th. That's correct. Um, we're having to, the general admission is 18th to the 20th. The 17th will be um, one of our VIP, VIP events, the, the preview gala. Gotcha. Gotcha. I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to turn you loose and let you talk, but I, for folks out there, if you go to the CWE website, which is SEWE.com, um, Right to the home page, of course, there's a lot there. If you scroll down maybe two-thirds to three-quarters down the page, there's something called CWE 101. And, uh, of course, you got the uh, South Carolina State dog there, the little Boykin Spaniel. And uh, it says, learn everything you need to know before you go to CWE, including general show information, helpful information, and even the dog policy. Because... Hey, if you go to Seawe and you're a dog person, get ready you're to meet gonna, some dogs. That's right. You're gonna go about every sixty yards. You're gonna run into another friend. <laughs> um, but it, it does. I wanted, to, and I told you I wanted to get this first. Artists frequently ask questions. Uh, uh, the exhibitors, the collector, uh, you got events, uh, map parking and shuttles, 
kids frequently ask questions, and then even the dogs, you know, but can I bring my dog to see we where it's allowed, you know, all that stuff. So I wanted people to know that's out there because we're going to cover a lot of ground on Siwi. Uh, it's going to raise a lot of questions with some people, and and I wanted them to know that on the front page, just roll down the front of that page to Siwi 101. There's all a lot of the questions, a lot of the answers you may need. Uh, what what is your favorite? I mean, you talked about the water, the the land, and the art. What's uh, if you had to put your finger on something at Siwi that you enjoy the most? What would it be? Trick question right out of the gate. No, not a trick question. No, you know, you're not offending anybody because everybody's got a favorite. So I alluded to it earlier. I didn't know a tremendous amount about wildlife art before I started um, at Southeastern Wildlife. And when you walk into the ballroom at Charleston Place Hotel, our, our fine art gallery, you know, there are 100 artists there, painters, sculptors, carvers. Um, and the artists are present with their work. If you take a minute to think about it, it's an extremely unique experience to have that. I mean, lots of galleries have wildlife artists, but they're not, you know, they'll have special um, shows for individual artists. But very rarely will you see this many artists in one spot at one time. So if you're a, a, a lover of wildlife art, you want to be at Southeastern Wildlife Exposition. There's some big art events out west, but there's really nothing east of the Mississippi that even compares to the lineup of artists that we bring here. And you become friends with the artists, collectors meet the artists in person, and it's an added layer of um, involvement in the purchase of wildlife art. And it's a very relaxed atmosphere. There's no sales pitch. A lot of people are just admiring the work and yes. meeting the artist. Um, but you do have very serious collectors that are here from all over the country, and that's, you know, one small part but a very important part of how we exist today because the event started with wildlife art and will always be the central focus even though a lot of people um a lot of people see marion square or Bay park or some of these other exhibit sites and and think of just the demonstrations birds of prey flights these sorts of things and think that seaweed it's uh you know the core of it's really at charleston place in that gallery and everything is built out from there mm-hmm. so um that is my favorite place it's where i see a lot of people um reunited you know seaweed's a reunion for old friends sure and not only from throughout south carolina but throughout the southeast you all see sure. you run into people that you haven't seen in a long time right whether those relationships were from school or from you know from being a field with guys that, that you met at one point um it's a lot of fun the, the, the general atmosphere is one of, of of a good time as you know and and i think the reunion aspect is what we hit on a lot of the time that's true mm-hmm. and he brought it but to have the artist sitting right there and you yeah. get to talk to them and and, and it, it, what I've learned over the years is the when they do those paintings, I mean, they were there to see and and get the inspiration of that painting. They put it on, and and the thing that amazes me is some of the. I grew up quail hunting, and so you know when I walk by an artist booth and I see a picture of a covey rise, or a setter, you know, flagging mm-hmm. tail and everything. You know, my heart just flips. Sorry, folks, it's just the way it rolls with me. You're such a and, sucker. And. Uh, <laughs> And you get to talking to some of the artists about it, and, and a lot of them are bird hunters or have dogs, and they, you know, they're in it. They're not just doing this because they like to sell art. They do it because this is their passion. I think another thing for that is like they're putting their happy place on a canvas and I giving it to cool. somebody to enjoy yeah. for the rest of their lives. Yep. Yeah, that's good stuff. I love, I love that you said that. And and what's interesting is they they see a place or they've seen a place and they paint it. And yes. Then, mm-hmm. Um. 
it's almost the reverse from sometimes from a purchase standpoint. You walk by a piece and you look at it and you say, "I've seen that before." Yeah. You know, so yes. It, it sort of it sort of comes full circle. Yeah. Um, even if it's not the exact same space. And to your point, I you know I grew up trying to chase a few of the the last wild birds in East North Carolina, yeah. and have had a chance to go since I've lived in South Carolina and down into Georgia. Um, and it's it's extraordinary how some of these artists can capture oh, man. The, the bird, ah. the scene, the, sort of the spirit of the hunt. Um, there there are a lot of different aspects of that, and you know not all the not all the pieces are purely wildlife. Some are sporting, sure. Um, and so, yeah, and you, and you can spend all day there. Yes, yeah. you can I spend all day talking about you know that one exhibit site. Yep. So that's what that's kind of where I started. And and for guys like me who have trouble drawing stick figures. It's even more amazing. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. Yeah, I'm all of that aspect too. Yeah. Taylor, we got about two minutes. I want to know your favorite. We're not going to talk over them very much, but I want to know what's your, what's your favorite quickly. Doc dogs. Doc dogs. I knew that yep. was going. I knew you were going there. Yep. Mine ha, over the years has become food. The South. <laughs> <laughs> She knows me so well because I drag her <laughs> kicking and screaming. It just, you know, I, I, I love, I love the brittle bank part. I love the art because I get lost into it. But man, you go into that food tent and you have the chef demonstrations off to one side and you <laughs> quit laughing at me, Taylor. Uh, but that, but that is what makes seaweed so much fun because it is so diverse and there's so much to see. And that that is the beauty of seaweed. Uh, we got about a minute, a minute left. Yeah, right. Go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna jump on that. The yeah. South Carolina Department of Agriculture. Uh, they've been an incredible partner, and it, it's a it's I call it a partnership. It truly works. I mean, you've seen how busy that place is. Oh, it is to connect, but to connect the farmers, um, you know, to the to the end users, to you know, to talk about organic, talk about South Carolina grown. Um, it, it's just it works, and people really get it. And not only do they you know, they follow up, they they purchase these products. So it's a great partnership. Um, you know, we're going to have demonstrations all weekend long, hosted by the Lee Brothers, um, and that's yeah, that's become such an important part of of the anchor, if you will, of Marion Square. And so I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah, but I do. I, I love Birds of Prey. I love the Doc Dogs. Oh, yeah, the I Birds love, of Prey. Is a, yeah, I, I yeah. love the exhibitors and the outfitters out at Brittle Bank, and you know, it's just it's, there's too much to choose. There from. is it's too much, but uh, yeah, if I had to, if I had to do the food would. Food. I knew. It. I knew it. I knew it's it. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I, well, I'm honest. It. I think it's. I think it's interesting. We all we all picked a different exhibit. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So, that's part of it. Marion Square, Charleston Place, and Brittle Bank, and the only two we left out were the Gilliard Center and, Mar- and Marriott, and they both are unique in what they have to offer. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Good start to it, Taylor. Got one more segment talking about seaweed. Uh, hang around, John, and we'll continue the next segment. The rest of you, take a break. We'll be back on the other side with more Woods and Water South Carolina. Quit wrinkling your nose. Uh, Sometimes I just wonder. Quit wrinkling your nose. This is good stuff. In your opinion. This is classic stuff. Like I said, in your opinion. Of course. Listen. A weird-looking John Ocasek. Oh, my goodness. Who dated a supermodel. That's the funny thing about it. Not not John Ocasek. Can you help me out, John? I used your first name. Rick Ocasek. That's it. I'll you're just talking about me. No, no, no. no. I'm way up. No, Rick Rick Ocasek. And his, his main squeeze was some supermodel. 
I mean, he really looks weird. Look him up. I don't want to. Yeah. But they make great music. Cars make great music. Uh, we are back. Uh, third segment of the show and the second segment with John uh, from Seawee. Hope you will mark off on your calendars now. 17th is special events. So the 18th to the 20th in Charleston, South Carolina. You know, you don't have to. There's tons of hotels. You don't have to stay downtown. You can stay out somewhere. Um but yeah, make your plans now to to be in attendance to Seawee. It's uh, it, it's it's one of a kind, and I think we I think we talked about it in prior visits from people to Seawee. I mean, there's just nothing like that in the in the Eastern U.S. I mean, we just had Eastern Waterfowl Festival. I mean, that might come a little close with a little bit of art and all, but it's a, a far smaller event. I've been up to it once. Um, but man, Seawee's a great one. So John, when we ended the last segment, you mentioned. Two other venues. Everybody thinks Brittle Bank, everything's uh, Charleston Woods Hotel, and then Marion Square. But there, the two other locations that you had, you mentioned just in passing. I'd like for you to take just a minute and, and talk about those two locations and what's there. Sure. So the Gilliard Center, um, where you'll find a lot of artists, and like artisans, craftsmen, whether it's a knife maker, a wood turner, um, specialty shop of any sort. Um, we have almost 70 exhibitors in the exhibit hall side of the Gilliard Center, and then on the performance hall side is where you'll find Bush Wildlife Sanctuary, which has been extremely popular over the years, and then Jeff Corwin, who's coming back. He was here in 2019 to do some um, some animal performances. So okay. if you're if you're looking for an animal show that's indoors, you'll go there. Um, if you're looking to do a little shopping and find some, some outdoor products, a lot of them are handmade originals, you'll see those on the exhibit hall side. Okay. All right. And then the, the Marriott, the other site we mentioned, is is very specific. It's it's where we have antique and some working decoys, and you'll maybe even find some folk art, okay. uh, Copley Fine Art auctions um, out out of the Northeast. They're going to have their winter sale preview, so we'll have about 200 lots that people can view before they have an, a, a sale uh, a couple weeks later. And there are also antique dealers that are there, so they have tables and they're set up, um, and you know you can view some. Some accessible decoys and some that are extremely, extremely <laughs> expensive to that niche audience. Um, yes. But it's neat to see them. It's, uh, they call it, you know, they call the decoys sort of the original American art form. Yes. So it's, yes. You can learn a lot there just by looking around. Oh, you can. And I, I, I started out as all duck hunters start out with the flambeau decoys. You might upgrade to GH decoys. <laughs> I, uh, I was introduced to a few guys called that ran a, Company called Runamuck Decoys. George Williams and a couple of the guys up in Rhode Island, and I. Over time, I got a bunch of their cork decoys, and there's. I don't have anything expensive, a collector's edition, but I love it's something about that handmade decoy. Just looking at it, Taylor, you remember duck hunting with those oh, things? Yeah. How mm-hmm. I mean, they just they're just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back I, in time. Abs- absolutely. I mean, you know the. The cork bodies, the, the wooden heads, yep. cedar keels, you know. I remember carrying them, and I, one of the beaks hit my shin, and I had a bruise <laughs> for, like, a couple weeks because they were so hard. But, yeah, so that's that's the decoy side. It, it kind of tugs at your heart like the quail side. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk just for a couple minutes about the two other areas uh, that are have a lot going on. When people think about seaweed, and it's these are both outdoor venues. This is where a lot of stuff goes. Uh, Marion Square, Bridgewater Park. Take a couple minutes. Tell us what's going to happen to each one of those, and then we got some wrap-up stuff we want to do. 
Sure, Marion Square is you know it right in the heart of Peninsula Charleston. So if you're going to be staying down there, if you're going to um, if you're going to go to some of the retail shops, which we hope people support, as well as the restaurants, then you're going to find um, a lot of our conservation-based exhibits. So you'll you'll we already spoke about Southtown Department of Agriculture and, sure. and their tent. But the Center for Birds at Prague, which is a, a huge partner of Seaweed, they do some incredible work. Uh, they're located just up the road in Aldall. They have flight demonstrations. Uh, the Orient Society out of Georgia, um, you know, they tell a story about prescribed burning and the eastern indigo snake and uh, the gopher tortoise and how these things are all connected. And that's always interesting to, to a quail hunter, I can assure yes. you. Oh, yes. Um, and you tie in the longleaf forest. Ducks Unlimited has a, a, a huge presence down there. And then whether it's dog rescues or some of our government agencies, the guys that are men and women, I should say, that do the, the really selfless work to, you know, whether it's enforcement, protection, research with um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, South Carolina Department, I mean, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, um, and the list goes on. You'll have yes. these groups there, and they're all telling the same story of conservation, um, maybe from a different angle, but um, – it's 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 where you can learn a lot about uh, what's at the core of seaweed, not just the art, but but the wildlife and and the conservation-based stories that have led us here. Then we jump over to Brittle Bank Park, and as you as you mentioned, you know it's uh, you know, dock dogs. I'm sorry, Taylor mentioned dock dogs, yes. and, which is wildly popular. But Brittle Bank is almost a, a festival unto itself. <laughs> there is. Uh, you know, we have over 100 exhibitors um, throughout the park. You have a kids' area, um, canine demonstrations. We have herding demonstrations um, from uh, Bill Cobra and Wendy Knoll Farms. You have uh, a lot of our local friends from Boyd and Spaniel Society right. to, uh, you know, to the, to the retriever demonstrations. Uh, Purina has come on board this year as a sponsor. They're going to help run some demonstrations with some really fine dogs. Nice. And then, um, you have our sporting and marine village where you'll find outfitters and products on both, again, land-based and, and marine-based pursuits. Um, right now, weather permitting, you know, this, how this ties in is a much longer story, but the U.S. Coast Guard is going to do a search and rescue demo of all the banks wow. of the Ashley River on Saturday. Um, so Saturday. Something, something to keep people interested in business sure. because the dogs, the dogs, um, with dog dogs will jump all day long. You right. also find food vendors there, yes. and some of our sponsors have uh, big displays. Uh, yep. so you can you can get a sandwich. You can find a, a Coca-Cola Classic. You can find a beer. Uh, you can find enough to do and hang out all day long. So, and, and usually you have some little live music going on out there, too. Absolutely, yep. all day long. Yep. Uh, three minutes left. You wanted to talk about some of the special events that you sometimes don't get the coverage that the main three days get. Sure. I mean, I can start with our VIP program, which for the most part is sold out. There are some packages left. Okay. Some of those are patron packages, and one of the things a patron package gets you is access to preview afternoon, which has become one of the most popular um, ways to view art because it's the first crack at it. So, okay. So um, Thursday afternoon um, from 1 until 5, you have access to the ballroom. We have light hors d'oeuvres and food and drink. And you can peruse the, the gallery before it gets really busy during the weekend. So that's that's popular. We also have the Low Country Social, which is a, a CV event. That's Saturday night under the stars at Brittle Bank. Um, and that's oysters and barbecue. Um, oh. Again, some live music. <laughs> and, um, and it's a lot of fun. We do a bunch of giveaways uh, with our corporate partners and, and special event partners. And then we have our conservation um, organization special events that, that – we help promote. So Ducks Unlimited has one of their biggest fundraisers 
um, in the country Friday night during, during Sea Week uh, downtown the visitor center bus shed. They have live auction and raffles. Um, also, South Carolina Waterfowl Association has multiple events. They have one Friday and Saturday night um, just over the bridge in Mount Pleasant. Right. If, you go on our, if you go on our website and you go to special events, you can find out how to, how to do these. Also, um, the, the Charleston Safari Club is having an event on Wednesday night of CV this year. That's the first time we've helped promote that. And they do a lot of great um, youth education. Uh, there's fundraising for that. So um, go to our website. I'm sure I'm missing some. Uh, <laughs> I, I need to – Garden Gun is a great partner of ours. Okay. Um, they yes. Lectures um, on both Saturday and Sunday. Those details are are going to be loaded on our website probably today or tomorrow. Okay. Um, but they have people have a lot of fun with that. You have a cocktail, listen to some great conversation um, at Garden Gun's offices, which is a really neat place. So again, tv.com, you'll find out um, information on all these events. And you is. need to get a pass. I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that things weren't selling out. Um, very quickly this year, I think everybody knows there's this pent-up demand. So sure. I encourage people to make hotel reservations, restaurant reservations, and get their tickets sooner rather than later. That's not a sales pitch. That's just a fact of life. We're running out. <laughs> yeah. yes, fact of life. Uh, yeah, seaweed.com, events page. If you want to get a real flavor for everything that's going on, it covers everything that uh, we've covered, some more stuff. Um, gosh, Taylor, anything? I mean, oh, I oh uh, uh, the the Scout boat raffle. There's an sold out. Sold out. Oh my goodness gracious! Wow. Typically, it lasts into the end of the show. But right. When you know, Scout's been a great partner of ours uh, for the last, gosh, almost ten years. Yes. And sold it out in record time. And that's that's a great example of. And we'll run some more raffles. It's it's, it's part of what helps support Seaweed and allows us to support you know, to create this platform for other conservation organizations. So we right. might have some of those online soon. Um, and you'll find some during the weekend when people have fun playing. And sure. It certainly builds the excitement. Absolutely. Well, John, we have thoroughly enjoyed our time with you on the show today. Uh, folks, 18th to the 20th in Charleston, Southeastern Wildlife Expo. We will be there. Look for us. John, thank you for your time. Look forward thank to so seeing much. you. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you for coming to see we. Ah, absolutely. Love it. Wouldn't miss it. Y'all hang on. We will be back after the break with the final segment of the show for this week. Give you a little southern, little low country vibe there. It's too cold for this. Makes you want to go to the beach. Well, that's where we're going. Seaweed. Oh, we are going to seaweed, actually, yeah. But it's still going to be be in in February, though. Well, it's all right. It's all right. You know, one of my favorite things, and we talked about seaweed and all that, it's what we do after seaweed. That's really cool. What do we do when we leave seaweed? Boy, I don't remember. Well, that's because we didn't do it last year. Yeah. So think back to the year before. I wore you out dragging you all over a certain wildlife management area in the low country chasing ducks with the camera. Oh! (laughs) 
Gosh. Bear Island. Bear Island. Goodness gracious love. That, yes, I do, in fact, remember that because that was kind of chilly. Um, yes, it was. But it was so daggone cool. It's it's a it's just a neat place. I've never seen so many birds in mine in one place in my Ducks entire life. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Then the guys that were rabbit hunting, the small game rabbit hunters down there with all with the beagles all and the, the kids. Little puppy beagles. Yeah. Oh. It's just a cool place. Yeah, it is. And that's the nice thing about going to South Carolina Low Country. There are always add-ons. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There is always a place, and it's that way statewide. But it just seems like for us living in the upstate, when we go to the coast. Having those add-ons is just really, really cool. Not that we don't have them up here. Cause we got uh, oh yeah, here. plenty up here too. But we're so used to these up here. It's nice to have a change. Yes, it takes you about a, from Charleston. It takes about an hour and a half to get to Bear because it's it's just you have to go down 17 South and then Green Pond Road and you all get the way there to the end. Early. Yes, get and there. You at daybreak. gotta bring your binoculars. You gotta camera. bring a camera. You gotta wear camo. Walking yeah. boots. Good boots. Good boots yep. <laughs> that can get wet. Yeah. And it, muddy. It's the low country, and there are some low spots and ditches and The smell, like though, smells so mud. good. I love yeah. fluff mud. Love fluff, fluff mud. mud makes our bass bigger. Georgetown, <laughs> South Carolina, yes. A <laughs> um, couple of, I guess, notes of interest and just some stuff to... Remember. Kind of clear the... We're trying to clear through some stuff here at the end of the year. Uh, this came out, the Department of Natural Resources, if you boat down in the low country, there's a seasonal no-wake zone um, that starts at the Isle of Palms Connector and goes, well, actually, I think seasonally, is it? Yes, Isle of Palms Connector, and it goes all the way up past the Isle of Palms Marina, all the way up to the entrance of the creek. Um not the creek going in the marina, the creek coming out of the marina. That makes a big loop through there. Then, uh, And this just came out from the Department of Natural Resources. Due to an increase in boating traffic at Goat Island Which is and surprising. Isle of Palms. <laughs> I never thought I'd become a popular boat traffic place. <laughs> it is. A permanent no-wake zone to encourage safe boating is being established. This new permanent no-wake zone is illustrated by the red line on the graphic. So... Of course, you can't see the red line in the graphic, but let me explain to you. Um, I wonder which hole that is on the golf course. You know, there's a golf course that parallels the uh, intercoastal water in the Indian. Here's a, here's a bit of history for you. That golf course used to be a landing strip. I You actually told me that. I'm yes. That. The, the golf course at Isle of Palms, if you're down on Isle of Palms, and the golf course runs parallel to the... Uh, to the intercoastal waterway, there used to be a landing strip there. It was just a dirt grass strip with a little shack, had a Coke machine. My parents lived in Charleston back in the uh, 60s, and that's where my dad learned to fly um, down at Mr. Scott's field, which was on James James Island. Island, Yes. Yeah, across the river from the executive airport used to be Mr. Scott's airport, and that's where Dad, my dad learned to fly J3 Cubs. And there used to be, there was a landing strip. Gosh, this is getting way off the beaten trail yeah, here. It is. There was a landing strip where the radio station is in Mount Pleasant, right? As you go across the, right as you go across the bridge, mm-hmm. there was a landing strip out through there. And Dad said it was horrible. Work. No, he said it was it was horrible because it had high pine trees on both sides. Oh, so, so yeah, the I'm winds, sure. depending on the wind. I mean, you could be you could be crabbing for all you're worth trying to get down, 
and but the second you got out of the wind, you know, you're into the pine trees. Now he never really said it was just a difficult <laughs> run, runway to get in and out of. But where the Isle of Palms, uh, the golf course is up there, near is where there used to be a landing strip. And Dad used to go up there and touch down and drink a Coke. My dad was a hangar flyer. He liked to fly around to other small little grass strips, hang out, chat, have a Coke, fly back home. Anyway, so after the – and they give coordinates here, but essentially if you're coming up past the Isle of Palms connector, you know, you got the Isle of Palms connector, you got the creek comes in right there past it on the right, and then you've got the, uh, the golf courses off to the right-hand side. Well – the last hole that parallels the Gulf, the Intercoastal Waterway, is where this new one starts. So it starts a, you know, a little bit before Morgan Grill, kind of right there where all the houses start. There, there's a good one. I think there's an inlet there, a small inlet you can get into. I think I fished back in there just a little bit. But anyway, that the new one goes from there all the way up past Alapons Marita. Uh, through the bend and at the end of the bend where the, is that Duncan Creek? Mm-mm. Um, what creek is that? Morgan Creek. Yeah. Morgan Creek. Where Morgan Creek comes back in at the upper end of Wild Dunes is where the new permanent no-wake zone is. Hmm. Which means you'll have a lot of people plowing through there now. Oh, I don't even get started on that. Jeez Louise. That was like my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> No wake means no wake. It doesn't mean throttle back where you plow and throw a yeah. bigger than your wake boat. Than, than when you're on plane. Yeah. Which always messed me up with no wake zones in my boat. My boat throws off it, yeah. it throws off no wake on plane. Sorry. Anyway, so that's just that's just one of those things. So <laughs> progress. New permanent no wake zone. I'm gonna switch gears and go back to hunting. Okay. Um or anything outdoors. Well, what? That could do with anything outdoors. True, true. Yeah. But I guess right now it can apply to yes. hunting. Season. Okay. Um, so we know down here it can be as low as 40 degrees in the morning and get up to, you know, like 60, like high 60s. 30 to 70. 30 to 70, yeah. Okay. But, <laughs> but the big thing that you need to be aware of is being prepared. Now, you can't go into the stand and be like, oh, I don't need this jacket because it's going to get hot later. But you never know how the weather could change. And when the sun starts coming up, that it starts getting colder right as the sun comes up, and then it gets warmer. So you always have to be prepared. So in this thing, we're going to talk about hypothermia. Now, that hypothermia can occur with temperatures as high as 50 degrees. Now, I know that sounds weird, but it can. Anything can lower your body core temperature can cause hypothermia. So a big thing about this is we always talk about being prepared before the hunt, and one of the main things is checking the weather before you go. I mean, we all... Most of us check the wind before we go, but we need to check the temperatures, see what it's supposed to be like so you can be prepared. So main thing is just dress in warm layers. Then that could be a pain if you get out if you get out of the stand, if you're the person that goes in before sun comes up, get out of the stand around lunchtime, then that can be a pain. But it's worth it when you're in a stand because you're not moving, your body's not warming up. So you're sitting there shivering. You never know what could happen with hypothermia. Um, just make sure to check the weather. Check hourly to be prepared for that. Absolutely. We're going to break some dirt here. We're Wildlife habitat conservation, and, and that is a year-round thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk a lot in the springtime about plowing and planting in the fall, plowing and planting, but there's very rarely do we do anything in the winter. Michael Hook talks about wintertime disking mm-hmm. and all, but, but 
very rarely do we do a whole lot in the wintertime. Well, that's going to change this year because we're going to plant some persimmon trees. Yep. Been talking about it for a couple of years. I uh, found a nursery in Georgia that's got them. We have, uh, we have a, an American persimmon that is probably 50 feet tall. And it's pretty popular with, with the deer around And the, the coyotes. Yeah. And, this, and, the, and the raccoons. Okay. <laughs> Look, I was sitting there two years ago, and I heard crunching in the leaves. I'm like, <laughs> bow hunting season's fixing to get good. <laughs> and here comes this fat little raccoon waddling up. <laughs> and there weren't a whole lot on the ground, and he stands up on his back legs. And he just looks up into the tree like, uh, if only I could reach you. Yeah, only I could fly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, persimmon trees, it doesn't, it, you know, it, you can do this anywhere. Mm-hmm. Persimmons are really good to eat. Mm-hmm. And American persimmon trees, of course, you know, they, you have to have male and female, so you have to plant like three or four. They encourage you to plant three or four because you don't, you don't know which was the male and which is the female, and you've got to have a pollinator. But now you have the, the Asian varieties of, of, uh, persimmon trees, the fuyus, the uh, oh, the, there's there are names there, How many kinds are there? I thought they were like there's like eight or nine of them. That's what I thought. There's one even called chocolate persimmon. Um, um that's weird, but okay. <laughs> but you know, there's tenaches and and giant fuyus and some of the others. We're gonna plant three. I did call because one of the questions I had was if you plant because you get early there are astringent, non-astringent persimmons. You can look that up later. Um, there are ones that ripen in September, ones that ripen in November. Mm-hmm. So um, we're trying to do a mix where we get a ripening and falling starting about the time bow season starts and running all the way into the first of December. So one of the questions I had was, if I plant this variety and that variety together, do I get cross-pollinization? The answer is no. Uh, she did say that when they're in close proximity to other varieties, that the persimmons may have a seed or two in them. Normally on their own, they won't, but that is the only downside. I said, well, really, deer and those don't care about seeds anyway. And she goes, she laughs. She goes, no, not really. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, persimmon trees, uh, we're going to do some some of the different varieties and all. Um, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty good. They're, they like, uh, I pronounce our, you know, soil tests. They like loamy, organically rich soil. Uh well-drained, moderate fertility. Some of them are more hardy than others. Check your, your USDA climate zones and all. Mm-hmm. pHs between 6 and 6.5. And um, you can do soil tests. Light needs the best and most fruits will be produced when persimmon trees are growing in full sun. However, trees that receive a little shade during the hottest part of the summer days will still produce great crops of fruit. So you dig a big old hole three times the size of the root ball. That loosens the dirt up, uh, lets the, the roots expand. You can do a little bit of root fertilizer if you want to. Uh, plant and you, and you can even do a berm to catch the waterfall. So look into it. Not many people plant persimmon trees, but it's something that all wildlife like in the fall of the year, and they're even yep. good to eat. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here next week. In the meantime... Make time to get out there. Take the back roads when you can. Don't forget the camera. See you back here next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.